What is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined once again by Coach Natalie. Natalie, thank you for being back here. Last episode, I actually don't think I've ever gotten as many messages about people enjoying an episode as I did our last episode. So I'm glad that people are really getting to know Natalie, um, all the just weirdness and awesomeness <laughs> that, that entails. Uh, thank you for being back. Thank you for this opportunity. Of course. So fill us in since we last chatted, just anything new going on with you, kind of what you've been up to? Yeah. So um, I think a lot of people probably know at this point that I finished up my deficit, uh, which, you know, we went pretty deep for that and the photo shoot prep um, did the photo shoot. That was fun and and a kind of very rewarding experience. Um, so reversing out of that and just kind of you know, we had to go pretty deep into that cut. So just we're still recovering a little bit. Training is on the lighter side, um, both in volume and training intensity, kind of uh, hanging out around RAR three, four at the moment. Um, but it's, it's all in all, it's not a bad place to be, uh, for this time of year, like during the holidays. Um, and I'm really focused on things like, uh, trying new and fun, you know, gym equipment, pieces of gym equipment and setups. Um, so I'm having a lot of fun with that and, you know, experimenting with some different things uh, to hopefully incorporate into some client programs. Absolutely. And yeah, I know we've talked about this, but you and I are in a very similar place with what we've been doing for the last couple months, because I'm still like, I just got my blood work done yesterday. Mm. So I'm still too, like, in my recovery phase since what photo shoot was October 27th. We haven't been pushing very hard since then. And I, again, as soon as we get it back, hopefully we're in a good place to push things harder. But as you know, I feel your pain there. Um, cool. So topic for the day is program considerations for recovering CrossFitters. Now, can you first just kind of give us some background I know we talked about your own kind of training history, how you were CrossFit for a good amount of time. And that was kind of the thing that really got you into and excited about training and eventually nutrition as well. But I know, I believe this kind of stemmed from a conversation you and Andrea were having. Is that right? Um, yes, that's right, actually. Okay. So fill us in as far as like, why did you think this was an important conversation to have? Hmm. Um, Andrea, coach Andrea, that is, and I were chatting um, offline just about uh, some programming um, speak, you know, for different clients. And, you know, one of the, I think she reached out to me uh, because her, you know, I think this was a, specifically about a former CrossFitter or someone that had CrossFit experience. And so she said, hey, you know, in your experience, like, how might I like incorporate some elements, you know, from CrossFit that someone might be missing um, right. within this type of programming? And it was it was kind of along those lines. And right away, I was like, oh, my gosh, well, you know, you could and I well, this is the topic for today. So we'll get into it. But, you know, I was like, oh, well, like, you know, you want to think about you know, X, Y, and Z. And she was like, oh yeah, that's like, I didn't even consider it. That's like a really good idea. And so then I started talking to you and I was like, Hey, this is actually kind of an interesting topic. Um, it's like working with this specific group of people, um, and just things that we need to consider. Yeah. On a different tangent, that's one thing I really enjoy about our team is how collaborative everyone is where we're constantly like bouncing ideas off of each other. Like, Hey, this is what I've been doing that I feel like has been working well. 
that's such a cool aspect of all this, but I agree. And I think it's, we could better probably sum this up as not just programming considerations for recovering CrossFitters, but also for people that are relatively new to hypertrophy training. And I think this is an important conversation for this podcast because it does match where a lot of our clients are coming from, not just necessarily like coming from a CrossFit background, a decent amount of clients are coming from a CrossFit background. I don't want to lump these together too much, but also we have a good amount of individuals who are coming from like an orange theory or like an F45 background. Or again, my training is more based on like time-based intervals or even rep counts rather than the specific variables we need for hypertrophy. So understand like if you're listening to this, even if you aren't coming from a CrossFit background specifically, but really if you feel like you're someone who's not building muscle, despite working hard in the gym, this combo is still super relevant as it'll kind of help you uncover the weak links in your program, right? Because that's, again, I think one of the biggest things we can show people in coaching is, hey, training hard doesn't necessarily mean, like it may feel hard. There's lots of different things we can do to make your training feel hard, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's effective for building muscle, which is going to be the goal. One of the primary goals of at least 95% of the clients that we work with. Anything else to add there before we dig in? Yeah, I think it's important to just kind of distinguish or make clear that, you know, what we're talking about here is like, hey, here are all of the benefits and things that, you know, you can get from hypertrophy training, not like here are the negative aspects of any other type of training. Like that's not at all what this Absolutely. Is. We're just really trying to have a conversation about, you know, things that we take into considerations with clients from these backgrounds. No, I, I think that's a super important distinction as well. Again, like all these modality of training, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. We are very much speaking to, again, that person that we work with who typically does, it's, it is almost always, hey, I have been working very hard in the gym. Like I feel like I crush myself very consistently. I want to build more muscle. I'm not building muscle. What gives, right? So this is very much a comment, a conversation, like speaking to that person, which is, again, someone we work with very consistently. So first, can you kind of define because you are definitely one to define this better than I, as I have zero experience with CrossFit personally. Um, what is CrossFit? Um, well, first of all, I would give anything to watch you take on a CrossFit workout. <laughs> I really hope that will one day happen. <laughs> Never. I, I've actually thought about it. For the listeners, I am so uncoordinated. I'm someone that like looks athletic. Like in, in college, I used to always go play basketball at the rack and I'm terrible at it. And I would be like, Oh yeah. Like I want this dude on my team. I, I would always, because I look like very athletic <laughs> and then it was like, I'm so sorry, you guys, you overestimated me, but yeah, that would, we definitely couldn't record that, but go on. I'm sorry. We'll give you iliac pull downs for time or something. I'll take that. Um, okay. Um, so CrossFit is, uh, typically defined as constantly varied functional movements performed at relatively high intensity. It incorporates components of weightlifting, gymnastics, strongman, running, rowing, and various other, you know, monostructural elements, um, and lots of things. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of things. Um, but the thing that I really like, well, two things that I really like to kind of make clear here. First of all, um, and this is like, this is not leaving some room for nuance. So, you know, the CrossFit is much more than this, but basically CrossFit is, is cardio. You know, you, you have timed workouts um, or, you know, your workout is defined by, you know, the capacity of your work. Um, so basically you are using a lot of these different, uh, like lifts and movements, um, 
to mm-hmm. test your cardiovascular fitness. So it's, you know, it's often not like, hey, how much you can deadlift? Granted, yes, sometimes it is, but it's more like, you know, how quickly can you move this deadlift? And and the idea is to kind of like bring up your strength um, and all of these elements to such a level that the challenge becomes more your engine, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, and again, that is, that's very general. Obviously there are like monostructural tests and, you know, like just a row for time or like a one RM deadlift. There are plenty of those instances, but, you know, if you break down like a typical, like CrossFit workout, you know, 15 minutes, uh, as much work as you can do in 15 minutes, you know, the idea is to bring up all of those elements to be like proficient enough at them to where you're, you're really, your limiting factor is like your cardiovascular system. Right. Um, so that's like the first kind of point. And then moreover, I always like to say, I think I said this on the last podcast, um, CrossFit is a sport. So, I mean, yes, it's a, it is a methodology, but like essentially you're, you're training for the sport of CrossFit and all sports have rules, right? So you are kind of under that umbrella of rules of the sport of CrossFit in terms of how they define, you know, movements like a squat, for example, um, you know, squat has to be basically, you have to send your, you know, your hip crease has to hit below your, your knees. So below parallel, that is like a good rep. Right. Okay. And I think that that's a good point though, because again, like what you're training for is to be good at a sport. It almost brings, I don't want to generalize like this, but like the, like, I don't know what there's some show where it's like, he's a baseball player and it's like, they asked about something about like lifting weights or running. And he's like, I'm not trying to be the best at exercising mm-hmm. where to an extent, like we are just trying to be the best at more random things. And I, I think we can kind of like, look at this. Like if we look at powerlifting as well, where our goal, if you're a power lifter is to be the strongest you possibly can be at your squat bench and deadlift right and understanding like crossfit powerlifting whatever it may be there's there will be some carryover to building muscle but that is different than it is like my goal is to have the best training to build muscle whether we're looking at crossfit or powerlifting again neither of those there is going to be some carryover there is some overlap but it's not going to be the best approach for that thing and that really ties into what you kind of really briefly touched on which is understanding the limiting factors that or like what is the limiting factor within your training so can you dig into that a little bit like first why is this concept for hypertrophy as a whole like why is this concept of what is the limiting factor important can you elaborate on that yeah i mean i think when you look at you know crossfit and you ask someone hey like what's what's your limiter here i mean first of all you know it it depends, you know, it depends on the person, it depends on the workout. Um, but you know, you'll hear a lot of people say, Oh, my cardio sucks, or like, I'm just not strong enough, or like my pull ups, or, you know, I don't have enough power, um, skill technique, rip, um, or even like biomechanics and like mobility considerations, you know, um, like, like I just said, you know, I mean, a squat in CrossFit and sport of CrossFit, like your, you know, hip crease has to be below your knee crease. Um, you know, it's a deep squat for it to count as a, you know, an official rep and some people, you know, for many reasons, like may not be able to achieve that position. 
Um, so for them, like biomechanics and mobility are are the limiting factor. Um, and of course, there can be like more than one limiting factor for every person. Um, there often is because there are just so many skills and, and different things involved. But, you know, point being, there are just there are a lot of limiting factors. Um, and then, you know, limited by the standards of the sport as well. Uh, but, you know, when you look at hypertrophy training, it's actually incredibly forgiving. Um, for example, I will take, you know, the person with maybe super long femurs, you know, or something that, you know, has trouble, you are maybe like a very hip dominant squatter, you know, who, who just can't like, can't get their hip crease below their knees. Um, you know, in hypertrophy, we're like, well, that's okay. Here's a pair of squat wedges. Like you'll be just fine, you know, or limited with like ankle mobility, you know, like out of air squat wedges. Um, because again, like what we're trying to achieve here with hypertrophy is like growth in the target tissue. Yeah, absolutely. And to kind of elaborate on the concept of limiting of the limiting factor, that's probably one of the most important variables for are you or are you not going to build muscle within the way we're training, right? Because we have to look at to stimulate muscle growth, we need the target tissue or tissues that we're trying to train. We need to generate enough tension in those tissues that they are taken to the point where we are very close to failure occasionally failure or at the very least, very close to failure. But again, we have to look at, okay, so the limiting factor is essentially going to be what's the thing that causes me to stop the set, right? So is it my cardio system is gassed? Is it my grip strength? Is it like I'm doing a very unstable movement? Is it I'm deadlifting for time and I would like to be building my glutes from this, but it's really like my lower back that's giving out. Um, So again, we have to look at like within those things, if the target tissue that we're trying to train isn't the limiting factor or the rate limiter, again, if it's not, Hey, I feel there's so much tension. There's so much like fatigue and buildup in this specific tissue that I'm trying to, or tissues that I'm trying to train. If that's not the thing that's causing yourself to set. But again, if we're looking at like, it is my cardiovascular fitness, for example, right. Then it is going to be suboptimal for building muscle. Does that, do you have anything else to add it in that front? Right. I mean, just put, you know, plainly, like if your cardio gives out before your, let's say posterior chain, you know, for your deadlift, mm-hmm. um, then you likely have not, you know, hypertrophy has likely not occurred. Right. And that's the thing. Like, it'll feel like, as you said, if we're doing like sets of, I don't know, we're doing sets of deadlifts for time. And if it is, and again, like, man, I know deadlifts, like kind of train my glutes, my hamstrings. I would love to grow my, my posterior chain. But again, if it's like, man, I'm just gassed. So I have to stop, but it is not, there's so much tension and like this large sensation of tension, potentially some burning in my glutes. And I'm again, very close to failing because of that. Then again, we probably haven't achieved significant hypertrophy. So then we get stuck in this, like, well, it feels like I'm working hard, right? I might be sweating a lot, I'm pushing very hard we're still not doing a ton to stimulate the growth. Whereas, as you said, one of the cool things about hypertrophy is we're not, at least from my perspective, and I think you can speak to this better as someone who is more experienced. I'm much more speaking to like what I've seen with clients rather than, again, I want to be very transparent. I'm not speaking for personal experience here. But one of the cool things about hypertrophy is we can and we need to adapt it so much based on the individual, right? If we look at... So to my understanding, it'll be like, hey, we're prescribed a wad, right? And maybe everyone in that wad is doing back squats. Okay, so we're all just doing back squats. Is that accurate? Yes. Well, I'm 
I want to be fair here and 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 say that you know one of the the cool things about CrossFit is it is like infinitely scalable, right? Like yeah. that's part of its appeal too. It's like anyone that walks in, you're like, hey, well, we'll just scale this for you. Um, you know, like maybe you don't have this strength yet, or you don't have this skill. There's always something for you to do. So I will be very clear about that. Um, but you know, again, when you're talking about like the sport or like a competition, um, you know it's, you know, the movements are defined as such. Um, so I think, I think that's an important distinction. Like, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, you can't, you, you can't do CrossFit if you can't do these things. Like, no, not at all. Um, but you know, like just many more considerations, I guess. Absolutely. Okay. But again, like we can look at, okay. So for hypertrophy training, we can, or for, again, AKA training to build muscle, we can, okay, Hey, you're really struggling to hit the step to get the amount of knee flexion. Like, what are we trying to train with the squat? Okay. We're really trying to bias your quads. All right. As you said, we can add some heel elevation. Hey, maybe your core, maybe again, it's looking at like, Hey, the rate limiter for us getting the, the quad stimulus that we want here is your, um, ankle mobility. So again, Hey, maybe we could add some heel wedges or, Hey, your maybe your core stability is really the rate limiter here. Your actual ability to perform the squat. Okay. Hey, we could work with a hack squat or a leg press or something of that nature where again, it just opens up, like let's identify the rate limiter. And if this movement isn't getting us the stimulus that we want, we have so many options to kind of work around this. Um, anything else to add there before we move on? Um, no, just that, you know, I, I think that's one of the things I hear most often is, you know, with, uh, this population, you know, when they're coming into training and actually not just this population, but, you know, clients newer to training, uh, also, you know, just like, I really need to, I really need to improve my grip strength. Cause like those RDLs are really tough, you know? Right. And then it's, again, this is kind of a conversation about like heel elevation like squat using squat wedges, you know? And it's like, well, you know, let's, let's back up. Like what, what exactly are we working towards here? Like what, what are we really trying to do? Um, you know, are we, are we trying to improve your grip strength or like, are we trying to hypertrophy your, you know, your glutes? Yeah. And that's, that's such a good example because I mean, even if we look at it, like look at the size of your forearm muscles, your muscles that are associated with the grip, look at the size of your glutes, your hamstrings, it doesn't like no matter how much you could train your grip for a very long time and it'll probably still there's a there's exceptions here i suppose but for most people your grip like unless we use rest straps it'll, most of the time will probably still be the rate limiter whereas we could just hey let's use wrist straps and okay right away this is so much better of a movement for your glutes because they are much more the rate limiter because we can like our grip isn't giving out causing us to stop much sooner so Let's kind of dig into how you go about just almost selling or generating buy-in for a transition away from this style of training, like a more CrossFit-esque style of training. So first I would ask, and again, I want to, with this conversation, I feel like it sounds like we're shitting on CrossFit, but we're really not. Like, I think we both see it in a positive light. It's again, just we're looking at specifically to build muscle. What could we do differently or what could we do better? So I would ask first, like, what do you feel like CrossFit is lacking when it comes to building muscle? Um, you know, I think again, you're, you're training for the sport of fitness, you know, so you're training mm -hmm. to be fit and fit is, is a fairly generic term really, or umbrella. Um, 
And so, you know, when we're talking to new clients, you know, trying to goal set and find out, you know, hey, what are what are the results you're excited about getting here? Like, what are you looking for? Um, you know, most are really after muscle building because they are wanting to, you know, build a new physique. Um, so we so we sort of have to look at what they were doing before and and how that might not be serving that specific goal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of things that, you know, CrossFit might be lacking here is uh, first and foremost, tissue specific training, um, you know, like specifically training each muscle throughout its entire contractile range. Um, so an example I really like to give here is like, you know, quads, um, you know, I mean, in, in CrossFit, like there are plenty of, you know, lengthened quad movements, depending on how you're built, by the way. And if you're wearing Olympic lifting shoes, you know, like the amount right. through which you can like lengthen the quad varies from person to person. Um, but, you know, then there are certain things that like, actually, what, what, how does CrossFit like overload the quad in the, in the shortened position, for example? Mm-hmm. Like, are there any movements that do that? Um, and I would right. say the same thing for the glutes. And I always found that like, really interesting you know like something like a leg extension for example that we would program in hypertrophy for this purpose um there's like kind of nothing that mimics that right unless unless you are doing some you know processors would call it like quote accessory movements you know or something right right okay so quads are definitely one where, and to just like kind of define for the listeners, we talk about this quite a bit. So I imagine everybody's kind of familiar with the terms, but if we're looking at lengthening a muscle, it is going to be the movement's hardest where the muscle is more lengthened or stretched. So again, as you said, depending on the anatomy, the biomechanics of the person for a lot of people, like, Hey, the bottom of that squat might be the area where that's, that is going to be where the movement is hardest. But that's also going to be where your quads are a little bit more stretched or lengthened. So we're really overloading that half. But the, as we get closer to the top, the movement gets much easier. And we're really not overloading the top of the movement much. So when the quads are shortened or contracted, it's thought that for the best muscle growth, well, that lengthened position probably is quite a bit more important. Like if we were just to choose one, I think we'd probably lean more towards the lengthened for the best overall development. Um, and even like from a, a volume management perspective, it does make sense to train the shortened position of the tissue more. So again, think like when that quad is contracted, so basically at the top of the squat, when we stood all the way up, it's still very easy. It's very easy, right? We're not tr- challenging that tissue too much. And it's also thought there might be like some regional hypertrophy benefits. So like training lengthened versus short, and they might like cause hypertrophy in slightly different areas. I think that's kind of getting into the weeds, but again, like there is somewhat of an argument for we want to train a tissue through its full contractile range, right? Whereas we look at like a leg extension, that's going to be much harder at the top of the rep when the quad is contracted, typically going to be much easier at the bottom. So sounds like that's something you noticed was lacking quite a bit. And I know you mentioned as well for glutes, there's not going to be a lot of short and overload work. Anything else that stood out as far as like, Hey, this tissue, we're really not training as much as we should, or it's kind of entirely lacking. Yeah. I'll go back to quads for a second. Um, because you know, again, kind of what we were speaking to earlier about like, Oh, you know, maybe someone's hip dominant, maybe they have like super long femurs, maybe, you know, their hip crease is never going to go below parallel. Um, and so it's like, you know, so some people from across the background due to those factors, have maybe actually never really experienced like a fully lengthened quad. Right. 
That's a good, um, that's a good insight too. Yeah. So, you know, I know I work with a lot of, a lot of these clients, you know, who, you know, trying to set up, you know, like a quad dominant, you know, movement, like a quad dominant split squad or something, um, we're really trying to lengthen that quad and, you know, their, their body just works to not drive the knee over the toe. Cause that's just what they're familiar with. You know, it's just right. actually exposing a quad to that kind of lengthening. And, and then therefore like after that load is just brand a brand new experience. Um, so yeah, I would say that's, that's actually kind of a big one as well. And then, like you said, glutes, absolutely. Um, and then I will say, you know, even things like, uh, the medial delts, which is like one of my all time favorite things to train, um, <laughs> you know, like, you know, your, your shoulders in general, your delts are like getting tons of work, uh, with CrossFit, you know, all of the, the nature of like all of the pushing and the overhead work and, um, but, you know, to actually like fully isolate like some of these smaller divisions of muscle groups or like smaller muscles in general, um, you know, they're just not getting that kind of TLC, right? Tender, loving care. Absolutely. And I, again, think this is very relevant to like many people not having experience like, hey, we fully lengthen that tissue, which again is going to be a very important variable for muscle growth i think that's relevant to not just people coming from a crossfit background but again like a lot of people like most everyone that's new to like hypertrophy specific training um i think the stability of the setup is also another important variable here where i love like to me the aesthetic of a crossfit gym is super cool like a box that's like minimalist training we have dumbbells we have barbells but there is again a lot for so many individuals, oftentimes stability can become the ray limiter, right? Where again, for building muscle, we really want our output, our ability to create tension to be the thing that causes failure, right? So even if we look at like a, again, like a barbell back squat versus a hack squat, let's say we're starting with a new client. Now there's again, nothing wrong with barbell back squat. It can be a great movement for a lot of individuals, but if we're looking at someone that's like, Hey, I want to grow my quads. I'm relatively new to training. All right. So within that barbell back squat, there is so much for us to think about as far as the way we're setting this up, the way we're executing it. Hey, like, are we shifting more to one side or the other? How strong is your core? Are we keeping our, like, are we to an extent keeping it staying upright, but also are you not overextending your lower back and also not rounding your lower back too much, right? Are you shooting your hips back too much as on the way up? Are we really driving our knees forward? Whereas a hack squat, so like we have to like have all the, there are so many variables there there are so many boxes we need to tick to be okay. Now it's not again it's not bullseye or bust right it's not like I right, didn't tick all these boxes so no quad stimulus for you but <laughs> <laughs> there's again like the closer we can get to the bullseye the better. Whereas if we just get this same individual on a hack squat we can basically say push your feet here keep your butt against the pad. And let's just try to take it as low. Let's try to get your hamstrings close to your calves and just push, right? And then again, it's, hey, right away, we are so much more stable. So we don't have to worry about these things like, hey, is my lower back giving out? Is my core strength an issue? We're just moving on a fixed path. And we can really just focus on output and generating a ton of tension um, in the quads. And I know you left a note here as well, as far as it's less axial loading, right? Which isn't a very important variable where I would kind of look at it I kind of look at it as like we only have so axial loading basically just think movements that load your spine heavily so like a deadlift a romanian deadlift a barbell back squat 
any movement that we're really loading your spine is going to be inherently more fatiguing. We only have so many like axial loading coins, so to speak, to spend every week. And I think it's way too easy to overspend those. And then we're at the point where, because it's also important to understand that it's not just push harder, build more muscle, which I think is how a lot of people look at it is we have to, yes, first create the stimulus. We also have to recover from the stimulus that we incurred before we can actually grow. We only have so many recovery resources we can expend. So if it's like, hey, we are, everything that we're doing involves a ton of axial loading, which inherently, like if we're not incorporating any machines, especially if we're doing a ton of barbell work, um, if we're not incorporating like chest support, if it's all again, like, especially looking at barbell work, we are going to have a lot more axial loading. So then we can be in a place where like, hey, the best my body can do with the stimulus that I incur is just get back to his previous baseline. I can't actually recover enough to like grow further and create new adaptations. Or for some individuals, it's like even I regress a little bit, right? So I think it's also easy to, when we aren't mindful of like our, and I don't, I think you could speak to this better. I've been rambling for a long time, so I'm going to stop here shortly. But um, that's just an important variable to keep in mind as well, right? Where with our movements that are acts where we are loading the spine, like within the way we program or the way I program, I'm very much looking at, okay, which of these movements, I think the stimulus to fatigue ratio concept just works so well here where like, there are going to be some movements that they are going to create a lot more fatigue. And those are always going to be ones we're going to have more spinal loading, but, um, I'm also going to get a great stimulus for them. So those might be worth the trade-off, but I want to choose those ones that have the most stimulus to come alongside that relative to the fatigue, right? So for you, if it's like, man, that barbell back squat creates a ton of fatigue, but it also creates so much tension in my quads. It's like one of the best movements for my quads I've been able to find. It's probably worth it. Whereas if it's like barbell, and this is me, barbell back squats, they leave me fucking gas. I feel terrible. I don't really feel hardly anything going on in my quads. Okay. But for me, so that's a movement where it's a lot of fatigue, not a ton of stimulus, right? Whereas if I hop on the pendulum, it's still fatiguing. It's less, it's still going to be some spinal loading, but it's going to be a lot less spinal loading, but the quad stimulus is so much better. So that has a much better stimulus to fatigue ratio for me. So I do think like with those, like understanding that concept and applying that. And then again, like, Hey, the movements that it doesn't make sense. Like if I do like a cable row, can I get as good of a stimulus or a better stimulus than if I do like a barbell bent over row? Barbell bent row might look cooler, but again, I'm loading my spine a lot more. I don't seem to get, I get a lot more fatigue for like the same or less stimulus. Okay. Because again, we have only so many of these fatigue coins to spend. I might be better off like plugging in that cable row or that machine row instead. All right. So from that, um, I'm going to stop okay, there. Well, hang, hang on. I'm going to stop you right there because a cable row looks very cool. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. I honestly think like a barbell <laughs> row, I okay. think a back squat and a barbell row and a pull-up are like the three coolest looking movements, but go on. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think this is funny because this has been, um, this has become like one of my absolute all-time favorite things just about hypertrophy training is I feel like, I feel like I've just gotten <laughs> so much lazier. I guess I'm like, okay, like how little work can I do? outside of working this tissue, you know, like how easy can I make this setup for myself? Um, and that's just, I, I, I don't know. I just sort of tangential, but I derive so much joy out of like the degree to which I can stabilize my setup. Um, it makes yeah. me happy and it feels like a different kind of challenge. Um, cause it's like, what's the, what's the easiest way for me to like 
you know, take this target tissue to failure, um, just like different challenges, you know, with hypertrophy, but the stability of your setup is, is, is just so important. Um, and I think it's, it's underrated, um, by a lot of, again, this, this population. Um, but, you know, kind of like back to that grip conversation, uh, cause I feel like it's very relevant, you know, about using grips and how, how grip could be the limiting factor here. Um, you know, I think it's like, I have a lot of conversations with, with people when they're like, well, yeah, but like, I have a really strong grip, so I don't mind. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. Like that might not be a limiting factor for you, but you're still wasting some energy. You know, it's just like overall fatigue. Um, so I just like more often than not, I am a fan of like using stability, some element of stability, uh, even if you feel like you don't need it. Does that make sense? Oh, no, that makes so much sense. And that's again, like if I I use the example of like the back squat uh, Mm -hmm. once again, where it's like, I could go do that, do four sets of that. And it's like. I got the squats. Okay. I got the quad stimulus. I wanted a bit. That was fucking terrible. Right. Where like four sets of back squats close to failure. It's, and this does sound pretty lazy actually now that we have this conversation, but even, even, even mentally, like I think understanding the mental side of this is so important as well, because it is like, we only have so many mental resources to spend also. Right. And if it's like, I have back squats, then I have deadlifts. Then I have Bulgarian split squats. And then I have to do this again every week. It's like, fuck, this is just mentally as much as anything else that is exhausting. And again, like the more like within that back squat, I have to use so many more uh, to an extent. I'm going to have to use different, more muscle tissue, specifically like in my upper body. I'm going to focus more on my bracing, my stability. Uh, It's as a whole going to just be so much more fatiguing. Whereas again, like a hack squat or a pendulum, it still feels hard, but you're not going to have that just deep sense of full body terribleness like there is fatigue but it's going to be much less fatigued both mentally and physically whereas we can still get the same stimulus our quads still feel destroyed or even more than we did previously and i think that's again like when it comes to so much of hypertrophy training being taking the tissue close to failure on a consistent basis that's where i also think it can be hard if we're doing a lot of movements that are very unstable I think it's hard to like consistently take that close to failure over time without there being a lot of like some form deviations that can, I don't, I don't want to say like, it's more likely to to lead to injury, but I also think that like, there are quite a few more individuals who like, when we're focusing on more, like less stable movements, it is oftentimes like we see a lot more people like aches and pains coming from a background like that. And from my perspective, I think it is again, because like, when we are pushing those things close to failure, there are so much, we're not, we're so much less stable. It's again, like, it's not at all like your back squat is just moving on this fixed track that it is a lot easier for like these deviations in the form to sneak in in order to continue to push more load. And in turn, we may, might be, I, I don't know. I don't want to say we're more likely to get injured, but again, an, an anecdote, like I think like a lot more people coming from backgrounds like this do tend to have more aches and pains. What's your take on that? Yeah, I would say that's true. I think, um, I mean, what you brought up, I think is so important is like the mental component uh, Mm -hmm. of it, you know, like, and I I like to use like the example of split squats. I'm like, I will never do any kind of split squat without like a wrist strap, you know, like, (laughs) like, I'm like, you want me to do this and hold on to the dumbbell? Wait, 
like something's got to go, you know, because um, right. again, like they're just so mentally and spiritually taxing. Spiritually like, taxing is a great way to put it. Whatever we can, your soul leaves your body, you know, whatever we can do to like offload absolutely any stress, even if you don't define it as a stress, you know, again, back to that person who's like, no, I have like really strong grip. It's like, yeah, I know, but like, this is still an energy leak, you know, and that energy could be applied elsewhere. Yeah. Whether that's like physical, mental, spiritually, or, you know, or all things. Right. And I think it's again, like, this is something that can sound lazy, but it is like, do you want to feel like you worked hard in your training? You'll still feel like you worked hard, but, or do you want to have the most productive training? Right. Yeah. And it's again, it's up to you, like which that is, there's no right or wrong. I would ask like on a similar conversation, do you think someone who is like going to there, do you often see like coming from a background like this, people have to do or need to do less training in order to get better results? Or do you feel like it's like, Hey, you were typically doing like five to six days a week wads before we kind of need to keep you at five to six days a week to continue to push progress and like build more muscle. Um, I think, you know, the, the misconception coming in, um, again, from like, you know, a recovering processor will say, um, you know, it's always a conversation of, Hey, like how, how often are you looking to train? Like when, when can you get to the gym? You know, what does your day look, what does your week look like? Um, from a training perspective, um, most will always be like, well, I want to train at least five days a week, you know? And then it's kind of like, okay, why, like, what, you know, can I ask, can I dig into that a little bit? Like what, you know, why? And, and a lot of it is just right. because like, that's how I've, that's what I've done. You know, when I was at, orange theory or crossfit or f45 you know like that's what my week looks like that's what i enjoy and it's like okay but outside of that why you right. know like are you what like and it, they're like well it's often because that's what i need to do to get results it's like okay yeah so from that perspective if that's what we're really after here is results like what if i told you there's a chance that you know we could kind of drive results in less time um, and sometimes there's some resistance around that. And I, I understand because it's also just the way you've been like living your your life, you know, week to week. And that's just how right. you set up your time. Um, but, you know, it's often like there will be a transitional period where, you know, you have to make sure that, you know, you're, you've got a client like on the road to productive training because it hasn't can't just be like four days of, you know, randomly going through motions like has to be productive training. Um, but, you know, once you kind of have that conversation, like. Absolutely. I, I, I honestly don't have many clients that do more than four. It's more right. like three to four. Um, and yes, I do have some clients that do five days a week for sure for various other considerations. Um, but you know, it's, it's individual specific, of course. Uh, but in terms of, you know, getting enough exposure you know, to the stimulus and, you know, making sure we are moving, you know, the target tissues, like, especially, you know, any kind of specializations or, you know, focuses, uh, primary focuses and considerations, um, as long as those are being exposed to the like correct or proper dose of volume and intensity. Um, I find four days is pretty magic for a lot of people, not all, but many. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such an interesting thing. It's something I see so common as well on like the initial call with a new client. Most everyone in a situation like this thinks uh, what I, the problem is I haven't been working hard enough 
and I need to thus do more. So, hey, I was training five days a week, but honestly, because I always ask, hey, how many days a week hyper-realistically without missing can you train for the next three months? And it's always like, well, I've been doing five, but I can do seven, right? It's like, all right, we don't need you to do seven. That's okay. It's very much looking at, again, it's not about doing more overall work, but how can we make the overall work more effective, right? When everything we've talked about here, like, hey, if you've never experienced like a fully lengthened quad or we're putting you in a position or an entirely different movement that is really going to allow you to get a much better stimulus for your quad. Like, so set per set versus what you were doing previously, it's almost like, again, we were, let's say like we were previously just like hitting your, hitting your quad with like a normal hammer. And now we're just taking like this giant sledgehammer and just right. <laughs> we're getting so much more stimulus per set when we set these things up that we need a much smaller overall dose to send the growth signal that you want. Right. So then oftentimes we can see it's, it's very, it's so incredibly rare that someone actually starts the coaching process with us. And it's like, Hey, the thing you need to do is more days of training. It's a, it's very, it's very common that it's like, Hey, we need to change the stimulus that you're exposing your body to. But again, it's very rare that it's like, okay, you're training four days a week. And honestly, I think you just need six days a week training. It's, I've never had that happen actually. Um, any other you thoughts got, there? You got seven days now. Um, I think, I think also a lot of that really stems from a little bit of FOMO just by nature of how, um, CrossFit is typically set up at most gyms. You know, it's like usually, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be at enough CrossFit gyms that actually have some really, really well-informed and thoughtful programming. Um, mm -hmm. So they're out there a hundred percent, but there is like a rotating nature to these things. You know, it's, it's very rarely like, okay, so Monday at CrossFit, we're hitting lower body. Tuesday, we're going to do aerobic, you know, Wednesday will be upper body. Um, they kind of can't do that just because of like the model of the business. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of it's constantly varied. Right. And also what if, um, what if Sally can like never make it on Monday? That means Sally never gets to train lower body, right. you know? So I think, I think a lot of that mentality of like, I need to do more also comes a little bit like is born out of FOMO in a way, you know, like if I have to miss a day of CrossFit, like I, I'm missing out on something, I'm missing my opportunity to train this thing, you right. know? And, and like, that's, that's not really the case um, with hypertrophy programming. Um, you know, it's like, we typically, you know, keep programs fairly similar, you know, mezzo to mezzo. Um, but like you're, you know, if, if you can commit to three to four days of like really thoughtful, intelligent programming, like you're not going to miss anything. Like right. we've got covered, um, you know, not trying to toot our own horn with our, with our team's programming or anything, but you know, we're going to make sure, um, that, that your program's thoughtful, you know, and it's going to incorporate enough of these things, um, you know, that, that are needed to drive results. So no need to have like FOMO there, but I do think that might be where some of that comes from. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, like I gotta, I gotta go to the sixth day of CrossFit, you know, this week because I missed, uh, you know, muscle ups for the last two weeks. So like, I haven't been exposed to that. I, you know, I need to practice kind of thing. Okay. No, but I, that makes sense. Again, from not experiencing it, it's harder for me to see it from that perspective, but that makes complete sense. All right. So when we're getting into what movements to program. So again, if you're working with someone that is kind of coming from this background, 
I know my perception on this, but I'm interested to hear your take. Like, are you still trying to incorporate some elements of CrossFit for someone that is like a um, a recovering CrossFitter, or is it entirely like, hey, we're just going to rip the bandaid off? <laughs> I think it really depends. Um, totally shocking answer, of course. Um, I, I think it definitely depends on the individual. Um, I think some people have more of an appetite for change. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and they're just like, no, nah, like, let's rip the bandaid off. Let's do this. And I'm like, right, right. you're on cables for everything, you know? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but you know, some people who still might be like, you know, kind of have one foot in the, in the CrossFit gym door, you know, like, uh, like I really like working on this stuff. It's like, Hey, like I, first and foremost, like if you don't enjoy your training and what you're doing, it doesn't matter how great the programming is. Cause you're not going right. to do it. Um, so I still like, I need you to be excited about your program. And sometimes like it is that novelty that excites people, you know, like yeah. I'm totally hungry to do like new things that I haven't done before. And like, I want to learn how to use cables, um, and use some of these cool machines and, you know, but for others, it's like, uh, well, like, but I don't want, I'm so, you know, I work so hard to get my pull-ups, like I don't want to lose them or like, I just really enjoy working, you know, my bench press, then I absolutely will find ways to incorporate that because I think that they can be meaningfully incorporated. Yeah. I, I, uh, in the, which it would be like the last episode that dropped most recent conversation with Jordan lips. I really like how he put this, whereas basically we have two reasons to change things in your programming. We have emotional reasons. Mm-hmm. And we have like more, this is the best thing for progress reasons. And it's like, not one of those is necessarily better than the other. It's okay if we're like focusing on something more for like an emotional reason, or again, for like, Hey, we're just focusing on the best progress. But I think it's like important to consider both of those variables there. And again, I think it's like a pull-up. I program pull-ups a lot, mm-hmm. right? For clients still, I think a pull-up is a great movement. Um, Again, it's something that's going to be it's not black and white it's going to be dependent on you as a client right so again we talked about the back squat a lot for some individuals the back squat might be a great option for hey continue to grow your quads which is a big priority let's keep this in for others again it might be hey we've never really gotten much out of this it generally just makes your lower back hurt um just with the way you're built you're not gonna be a great back squatter for like a quad bias squat, at least we were probably better off plugging something else in here. I know typically for me with clients, but with clients that are coming from a background like this, I generally am more focused on keeping a little bit more of a functional feel to at least a couple movements per training session. Right. So that's where it's like, Hey, maybe instead of just taking them depending on their, and again, this is largely dependent on the client's movement ability, but if it's like, Hey, they're a strong squatter, and their squat looks good, but they might not be like the best quad bias squat. That's where it's like, hey, it might be more like that. I'm happy to do a heel elevated barbell squat versus just immediately like throwing you in the hack squat, for example, right? Or again, we're more likely to like, I could plug in like a, a machine chest press here or a dumbbell bench press. We're probably gonna lean more towards like the dumbbell bench press in that scenario, right? Um, go ahead. Well, I mean, but I also think, you know, I think you have to kind of bring up the fact that, you know, there's really just like this Venn diagram, right, between like strength and muscle growth. Um, You know, so the conversation we're really having here is like, is a pull up or is a back squat like optimal for hypertrophy? And, you know, I think 
most would probably say, no, not necessarily. However, that does not mean that you won't get stronger and you won't experience some hypertrophy, you know, like it's very much a Venn diagram. So it's not like, oh, we're just going to sell out and throw in a pull up, like not at all. Oh yeah. And I think that's important too, because I don't want anyone to think from listening to this conversation that it's like, oh, I would never program a dumbbell bench press or a barbell bench press. Cause I have like a lot of uh, these movements we're talking about are going to consistently be large parts of clients programs, specifically like dumbbell work, pull-ups, things of that nature. I would say like a barbell is probably the thing that I'll use the least generally in most programs, but even still like a barbell Romanian deadlift, for example, is something that'll be there very, very frequently. Um, so I also think that's important context for this conversation where if there's such a fine line where it's like, what's most optimal potentially for hypertrophy, which even then, like that always changes, right? Yeah. I think that also, um, you know, speaking of barbell, um, that brings up a really interesting consideration here, like on this topic is that, you know, like trying, you know, like I have a lot of, um, kind of people with CrossFit experience, um, a lot of clients right now who have a lot of CrossFit experience and like, you know, playing around a little bit with the novelty of like, Hey, why don't we try this on a trap bar? You know? And like, honestly, I could put myself in this category. Um, I believe that this was (laughs) very well covered in last week's podcast with Jordan, Um, (laughs) you know, and then we like put me back on a barbell for an RDL. And it's like, well, what do you know? You know, it's just so much more comfortable um, for for lots of reasons, of course. But, you know, so that's just an example where like, you know, sometimes like that CrossFit background serves them very well. And, you know, mm-hmm. something that maybe someone who's brand new to lifting, like all of the benefits of using a trap bar, you know, like the, you know, it, it tends to be a little bit better on your shoulders and, you know, um, the way that it distributes weight. It's like sometimes, you know, people with a barbell background, um, that, that is their comfort zone and that's their wheelhouse. And like, again, to all, all the earlier points we were speaking to, our point is to get you to overload the target tissue in a close proximity right. failure. So it's like, if you can better achieve that with a barbell, then hell yeah, we'll do that. No, absolutely. I think you summed that up so much better than I was because I feel like, well, I don't want to like paint us in the box where like, we're not using these things. We think these things suck. That's not at all the case. And I think your RDL there is a very good example of that. Um, okay. So I feel like we've really discussed um, kind of how we go about getting buy-in Talk through, like, from an RIR perspective or a proximity of failure, how might this be a variable that could be lacking? Like, kind of talk us through what we're focusing on there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think this is a tricky one because you have to be very careful with the verbiage you're using with a former CrossFitter um, when you use the term failure because, um, <laughs> you know, many of them will. Um, translate that into like destroy yourself um you know i mean the 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 feeling at the end of like a set of uh, you know pendulum squats for example you know the way that your Mm -hmm. quads are feeling like systemically as well like it's just a completely different feel to like when a crossfitter finishes fran or murph um you know so we have to define like what we are working toward Whereas, you know, in CrossFit, you are working toward the completion of work, you know, as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, usually, uh, of course. And, you know, with right. RIR, it's like, okay, well, like, no, we're we're not really looking to, like, 
end yourself here. Um, we are, again, trying to take this very specific tissue um, within close proximity to the failure of that tissue, to the point by which that tissue can no longer complete work. Right. And and that's an incredibly different feeling and sensation as well as mindset, you know, than like, hey, I need you to I need you to run run this mile as fast as humanly possible. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. It's almost like we need to run the best. And I don't know if you say like running the best mile. Uh, that's that's a weird analogy. That doesn't really work out very well. I had I had an analogy there that I lost it. Um, if you have anything, please feel free to step in. But <laughs> do you feel like this ties into the conversation around tempo then as well? Yeah, I do. I do. And I realized when I was saying that, I was like, eh, I mean, that falls more under depot. Um, but I think, I mean, I think just think they go hand in hand, right? Because what we're talking about mm -hmm. is like exposing this muscle tissue um, to a certain stimulus. And like, you've got, you know, it, you need time under tension, right? Um, and like what I find, and again, this will go, this will go right into like RIR and tempo. But what I find with a lot of um, newer clients, like fresh in from, you know, CrossFit or, you know, other modalities of training is, you know, you give them something like a Bulgarian split squat and um, it's, it's almost a like four time mentality. Like, right. I just right. gotta like get in and, and do this, you know? And I mean, to be fair, like that is also a mentality that serves you very well <laughs> with Bulgarian right. split like you do have to like hype yourself up, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, there's little controlling of the eccentric, which is just like, so essential um, to our world. Um, you know, and it's really just more of this mindset around like just getting the work done mm -hmm. and like getting the work out of the way kind of thing. Um, and it's kind of like, well, no, but now that we're here, we kind of have to like marinate in it for a little while. <laughs> like yeah. if you don't get in and get out, like you got to hang out for a little while here and we're going to do that, you know, with tempo. And then we're going to, you know, like measure the effectiveness of the work that you just did by talking about RIR or your proximity to failure. No, I really like that. It's almost like how we would do a set if our goal was to get the set done as quickly as possible, or even if our goal was to lift the heaviest weight would look different than like, if I'm trying to, again, if it's like, Hey, finished X amount of reps as quickly as possible, I'm just going to bust those out. The goal is to lift the heaviest weight possible. Probably my setup will be a little bit different. I'm probably going to let form slip a good bit more. And I'm probably again, not going to be too concerned with like the tempo that I'm lifting with. Whereas if the goal is to do a set to make it as effective for building muscle as possible, that is going to entail, I'm going to be more focused on my technique. I'm going to focus on controlling the negative portion of the lift because I know that's going to be an important variable for building muscle tissue as well. So just understanding like how, like the mindset around how we approach each set is different. I also like the idea of like, we kind of have to marinate in it now that we're here. It's like a crock pot. It's not a microwave, right? <laughs> it's not an Insta pot. Yeah. Okay, um, perfect. Yeah. But you know, I think, um, you know, like, I mean, CrossFit workouts are hard, like, let's be honest. And like, they hurt like so, so much. Um, so I think when that starts to creep in on a set of say Bulgarian split squats, because it will, um, you know, it's like, oh shit, I better hurry up. <laughs> you know, like, I just want to get this over with as fast as humanly possible. It's like, not so fast text, you know, slow down. Um, <laughs> You know, but I, I like, I, I kind of, I see it when I'm watching, you know, um, clients like forum reviews at forum yeah. videos, 
up. You know, it's like I can tell when it's getting hard because it's like that oh shit moment where like all of a sudden tempo picks up and we're going like one to one, you know, up, down, up, down. And it's like, whoa, whoa, you know, and, and having to pull that back. Um, because the, the point of this is not to just get the reps done, right? Like, that's just not the point. Um, right. Point is to spend the time under tension. Absolutely. I think that's beautifully summed up. Okay. The next couple pieces of our outline, I can't speak to very well. So I'm going to push all these over to you. From a weight selection perspective, what is the difference you see in like CrossFit style training versus hypertrophy? Yeah. I mean, there's such a big emphasis on weight selection and CrossFit, um, you know, because you're always kind of like training for those, you know, one RMs and three RMs and, and things of that nature. And like, um, you know, and I love that. I mean, I, I absolutely mm-hmm. love that. Like that's, you know, goal driven and like you're working towards something. I, I absolutely love it. Um, but where it might not serve us, um, here is kind of like what we were, you know, what we were talking about with like RIR and tempo and like, oh, I'm just trying to get this done as fast as possible. It's like, oh, well, I'm just trying to lift as much as humanly possible. Well, that's not really the point though. And I, I kind of tried to make this point on our last podcast together, you know, where I was trying to say that like the weight, the weight selection is, is like the number on the side of the dumbbell. This is sort of immaterial because like, we just need you to focus on RIR and tempo and like tempo will help you arrive at RIR, of course. Um, And like the third missing link there is like the proper weight selection. Right. And I always like to tell my clients, it's like, we kind of need these three things to align in a very majestic sort of way. (laughs) You know, we sort of, we need you to select the right amount of weight that will allow you to hit the target rep range that I've set and also simultaneously, you know, hit the prescribed RIR and tempo. So so you you need the, you need the, um, like the synergy between those three things, like the appropriate weight selection in order for you to hit this target rep range and RIR. Like those things all have to align. And like, it, it doesn't, you know, this mindset around like, oh, like, but I, but I know I'm stronger than this. Like I should be lifting this much. It's like, that, that doesn't, it just doesn't really matter for what we're doing here. Like, we're just trying to expose your muscle to a very specific thing. And that specific mm-hmm. thing doesn't, again, really have a number attached. Like the weights that you're choosing are, you know, hopefully you're keeping a log book um, so that you can keep progressing and kind of know what you're, you know, what you're going for. But that's, that's the only, the only place that it matters is really like to you and your journey. Um, Cause we're just going for a response here. We're not going for a one RM. Absolutely. And uh, again, it's how I always like to explain this to clients because it comes up a lot when I'm breaking down form videos is your muscles don't grow as a response of like, Oh, Hey, I see that text added. He squatted 225, so quads are growing this week, right? Like your muscles don't see the amount of weight on the bar. Now, I also don't want people to take this as like, cool, so we're just lifting like extremely light weights and we're never focusing on progressing because getting stronger over time is an important variable. But as your muscles don't grow to, as you said, the number as a response to the number on the side of the dumbbell, they grow as a response to tension, right? So again, if we're looking at like, okay, you're squatting 225, but hey, we're like not hitting our depth. On the way, your hips are really shooting back on the way back up. Yeah, it's cool you squatted 225, but did it really get very much squat stimulus from that? No, 
even if we're taking it to like our, our target, we're hitting failure, we're probably still didn't get very much quad stimulus from that. Whereas if we are squatting 185, you're really driving your knees forward. We're getting a lot more depth. We're getting our hamstrings to the point where they touch our calves. We're able to stay relatively upright. Suddenly, like we got a lot better quad stimulus, which will yield more quad growth, even though the load was a little bit lighter. So it's on the, I think that it can also get misinterpreted as like, we're not at all saying you shouldn't challenge yourself by lifting heavy loads, but the technique, because that's, again, we should be getting stronger over time. Our clients are hella strong. You're hella strong, but like maintaining the technique within that and not just focusing on the load or like focusing on load progression at the cost of the execution side of it will be less than ideal for growth. That's actually a really great insight. Um, because you know, I think, um, I I've had a lot of clients, you know, who can't like, I mean, they're yeah, hella strong. Um, and like they can lift these weights, like no problem, but you know, we'll run into this, like, but we're like not really getting a response. And, and so, you know, we've had to be like, Hey, like just kind of go with it here. And like, well, let's pull back the weights. Like, I know you can lift this. I know, but like pull back the weights a little bit. And like in this RDL, like, I just need you to like concentrate on like feeling something, you know, in like the upper hamstring or like the glute or something. And like, be less concerned about like moving this really heavy load from point A to point B. And more concerned about, you know, like the range of motion that you're putting your, your body through, you know, and like what response you're getting from it. Yeah. And I think like to that point, just to make sure it's clear, if we were looking at the same range of motion, the same execution, a load you can control, a heavier load is going to be superior, but it is oftentimes again, when we are chasing a heavier load and our execution of these movements, isn't what it needs to be. Right. If it's again, like we're rounding our back more, we're not able to push our hips back as much in our RDL. We're going to get more out of a lighter load that's going to allow us to better execute that. Um, so to kind of speak to the psychology, do you have about 10 more minutes here? Yeah. yeah. Okay. To kind of speak to the psychology of this, I imagine you oftentimes run into people kind of missing the constantly varied, so to speak, nature of CrossFit. We're thinking hypertrophy training has to be kind of boring. Mm. How do you approach this with clients or what are any thoughts there? Um, well, I think, you know, you're, you know, we've been like very clear on our team um, and, and, you know, all of, you know, the episodes of your podcast that, you know, more often than not, we are fans of keeping things mostly the same mezzo to mezzo, so long mm-hmm. as, you know, movements are still productive. Like that is mm-hmm. number one, of course, if they're not, then like, okay, then we chat about it. Um, but if movements are productive, like more often than not, we, we like to keep them around. Um, because if they're still progressing, like, why would we not want to progress? Right. Um, right. and then that's a whole other, you know, tangent, but, um, you know, it is really normal for a CrossFitter to like really miss that, you know, constantly varied nature. Um, like I'm just getting bored. So like, that's maybe someone where we do refresh their program a little more than normal. Um, but we can do this by way of, you know, some of the like isolation lifts, um, you know, like I, you know, rotating, like, you know, our lengthened bicep, short bicep, you know, things like that. Um, you can swap out a little more often, um, with less detriment to overall Mm -hmm. progress for sure. And like, you know, figuring out how to set up like a cable bicep curl isn't exactly going to be the time investment of like, Hey, let's sort out your deadlift, you know? 
Right. Um, so it's there's just again, there's less kind of detriment to like swapping out some of those uh movements like your triceps, biceps, um, on you know, a regular basis. Um, and then this is actually what I was speaking with Andrea about. Um, you know, utilizing different intensity techniques um can just be like really fun and like novel and mentally challenging, you know, things like, you know, myo reps, like drop sets, um, you know, and, and again, with the isolation exercises, like instead of, you know, okay, we're going to do like four sets of, you know, eight to 10, you know, bicep rolls, um, you know, you could consider doing something like, all right, well, we're going to do like 50 reps for time, breaking up as needed, um, which almost might be kind of like myo rep ish. <laughs> yeah Um, that's like you know like like but but like kind of putting things in their um language you know because it presents a different package um so i think that can actually those those techniques can just be like really useful i think more mentally absolutely and i feel like that's a good way to as you said basically incorporate novelty without it being detrimental so again to bring it back to like for hypertrophy, a lot of times it is, we might be doing the same thing for months and months and months to, to a degree, right? There's, and again, as we discussed and, and like the conversation with Jordan from earlier in the week is you want to get deep into like, Hey, when should we change things in our program versus when should we keep the same them the same? I think that's a great discussion where there's always going to be, I, I will say that it's incredibly rare that it's like, Hey, this was your program for the last six to eight weeks, whatever it was cool, we're going to do the same thing again. There's always at least a couple of variables there that are changing. And depending on the client, the degree to which that is changing will also vary, right? Some people, again, just for the sake of like being more engaged, will need more variability. But again, if it's like, hey, we're changing everything in your program every six to eight weeks, we're probably going to see a lot worse progress than we could otherwise. So again, like the Hey, okay. So even if it's like, we're keeping the same medial delt movement as we had like last muscle cycle, but this muscle cycle, we're going to add in again, like a mile rep match technique, right? Where, or like more drop sets or something of that nature. Again, it does like add more novelty, but we're not like the most detrimental. Why we want to avoid that is again, when we're changing out movements entirely, it's going to take a decent, and again, like the complexity of the movement is an important variable here. So again, when we're looking at like your more compound movements. Typically we want to change those less frequently, but as you said, like we can, like, again, like your bicep movements, your delt movements, even like short and glute movements, typically we can get a little bit more variety if that's something that client enjoys, but also like, again, like those different techniques, different way we approach, like taking that to failure, like the mile reps, drop sets, things of that nature, I feel like are also such a helpful tool. And that's again, like such a good way to like Hey, because so many clients, it'll be like, you've made such good progress in the last six to eight weeks. Like I want to, we want to keep this rolling, but again, so like to a large degree, it'd be detrimental if we changed up a huge amount within your program, but I also like understand it's easy. We can somewhat get bored with this. So like, here's how we can put a new twist on this and kind of sometimes just repackage basically the same thing, (laughs) which is often like what people need. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I think like playing with rep ranges as well, um, especially mm-hmm. for CrossFitters, you know, who like, again, are so like one and three RM oriented, maybe five RM oriented, but, um, you know, like pull-ups for me are something where like I tend to program them, you know, lower reps. Um, but also, you know, like 
you know, giving them the opportunity to take like a dumbbell bench, like six to eight reps, you know, and right. like, which obviously like, well, theoretically, anyways, like allow them to take the load up. Right. Um, and just, you know, exposing them, like making sure that on a, on a regular enough basis, you know, you're exposing them to like heavier loads. Um, if, if that's mm-hmm. something that they enjoy, uh, cause again, I mean, in, enjoyment is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I do rep ranges. Like if it's, Hey, I want to keep this thing the same, but I also want to make sure this is still engaging. Rep ranges are a great, a great option. Again, like the different intensification techniques, like drop sets, my reps, things like that, not for compound movements. Cause you'll die. But for um, like more isolation-esque movements are a great option. And then again, like even exercise sequencing is to a degree something that I like to play with a little bit more. Now, again, I think if it's like there are some movements that it's just, hey, this takes so much intention, so much execution that I might like, especially if you are doing like a barbell back squat or like most of the time, if we are doing like a Romania deadlift, even I'll probably want you to do that first. But again, it's like, even if it's like, Hey, maybe last muscle cycle, we were doing a leg press and then we were doing, well, going to give us more mid range length and overload quad. And then this muscle cycle where you're doing, uh, and then we were doing a leg extension again, to a degree, like it's, it's not going to be the most detrimental thing. Like as a, the tension is going to be the most important variable there. It's not going to be that detrimental if we like, Hey, maybe this muscle cycle, we're doing a little bit more of a pre-exhaust technique where we're doing like a short, a short movement first for the quad. and then like the movement first and i think like the more there could be an argument for like well that's probably gonna reduce our, this this the shortened length versus length and shortened that's an entirely different podcast i don't actually want to get into that right now because we could argue that either way as well as far as what, which of those is important more important and basically what i've come to is i really don't think it matters to anything more than like a half a percentage of the results we'll see so we'll probably should just prioritize like the emotional side of it Mm -hmm. um so i do think it's a good way and again like outside of like if we do if you are doing like a movement that's uh, the more taxi the more complex movement is the less likely it would be and those are typically those are always going to be like linked to overload movements the less likely it'd be to program a short movement first but um yeah i think that's another good way to like introduce a little bit of like novelty and keep the program engaging engaging and fun without it being like we're plugging in in tons of different movements here right cool um all right so last question for you here incorporating crossfit wads into your training week and i'm thinking like someone who is hey i'm gonna do hypertrophy training but i'm also gonna drop into the crossfit box a couple times a week and do wads which was you when you started right (laughs) that's funny because i (laughs) Yeah. Um, so talk me through, can you, and should you, um, I, I, this is another big, it depends. Um, and this is also something that I've changed my mind on a lot. Um, cause you know, I was that person. And then, you know, when I crossed over, um, I was like, no, it's one or the other, you know, because like, if I can't do something optimally, like, like I must, I must pursue things optimally, you know? Um, but I've changed my mind a lot recently. And, and that, I mean, I actually have a couple like very good CrossFitters as, as clients right now. I'm going to give a shout out to Alex and Kaylin, um, super duper strong people. (laughs) Um, they are really good athletes. Um, and you know, we're really curious about exploring hypertrophy. They're doing awesome by the way, like crazy gains. 
Um, but you know, Alex in particular, um, is just, you know, like just loves like dropping in, uh, to his CrossFit gym and, and, you know, running around with his friends and, you know, so I was just like, you know what, it's not a problem until it's a problem. Um, and I come at that from a recovery standpoint, you know, so, right. and I explained to him very clearly, you know, my concerns here are as long as your training is productive and continues to be productive. And we monitor that with your recovery and your logbook, you know? So like, and that was just the agreement that we reached. He was like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, so he, you know, writes down his, he, he usually drops in like twice a week, one, once to twice a week. And like, he always writes down his uh, workouts. Um, he's a pretty good judge. He, he used to coach CrossFit. So like he's, okay. he's definitely, you know, an educated athlete. Um, experienced, but you know, he'll message me sometimes if he's on the fence and he's like, Hey, this is the wad today. Like, what are your thoughts? And we'll have a discussion about it, which I enjoy because again, like that's just the collaborative nature of like an awesome coaching relationship. Um, so it's cool to just like have that discussion and, and have both of us be open, you know, to either side of it, uh, which is really neat. Um, and we usually come to an agreement and it's like, yep, that sounds good. But Alex is so interesting because he is someone who is like making crazy gains. Um, on uh, that. my guy, Alex, you are looking swole by the way. I see your progress pictures and you're looking jacked. Yeah. Um, it's crazy actually, but you know what I maybe haven't told you Jeremiah about as much is that like Alex will drop into these workouts and he's like, yeah. So like I PR this bench park wad today by like two minutes. I'm like, what? You know, or he's like, yeah, so I had like the number two time at the gym for this. And I like, wasn't really trying. I was like, oh, so, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, Hey, everyone, you need to train hypertrophy and you're just going to like become, you know, an even better CrossFitter. That's, that's not Mm -hmm. necessarily the correlation I'm trying to make here. But what I will say is like, Alex is someone who has by no means lost anything from CrossFit. Like, like he is moving mountains. He's at a very competitive CrossFit gym and he is like continually like improving on the, like without even trying basically. <laughs> um, it's, it's just nuts. I like at every single check-in he's like, so I PR this today at CrossFit and like the fastest time here and there. And like, it's, it's been very cool to watch, but I just think, you know, I I'm using him as an example, of course, but I, I, I do think it's possible. Um, but I think one thing that Alex does really well is that he is just very good at like self-regulating, you know, again, we have yeah. these discussions about like, Hey, this is the workout. Do you think this is a good idea? Or, Hey, this is the workout. I really want to go. How might I be able to adjust this so that it's not going to affect tomorrow's lower body session. And we'll have those discussions. Um, so you know, we've like basically through collaboration, uh, made this work quite well. I think that's such an important variable in the collaboration aspect specifically, because it's also not definitely not like he's, yeah, I'm doing five days of hypertrophy training and I'm also doing five Watts per week, right? Yeah. He's being very calculated in how he's approaching it. And as you said, I definitely think it's like, Hey, we can improve in both areas if we want, but we do have to take a very calculated approach and also weigh like which of these is a bigger priority. That's probably where we need to spend the most time at recovery resources. Yeah. I just find myself really veering away from like, it's not that, you know, I'm here for tough conversations with clients. I mean, I have them every day, um, you know, but it's not that I won't tell someone like, Hey, well, like, you know, I know we like to say, 
chase too many rabbits and you catch none. You know, I'm, I'm here for that conversation, but I'm just veering away from, from discouraging people from doing things that they enjoy. But I think the, the kick there is like, it has to be thoughtfully incorporated, not just like willy nilly, you know, to your yeah. point, like, I'm just going to do like five times hypertrophy, five times cross. It's like, Whoa, slow down text. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, cool. All right. So we've gone on this for quite a while. Are there any parting kind of wrap up thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? Um, just that, you know, for anyone in the CrossFit world that's ever been um, curious about hypertrophy, I think there are aspects of it that I think you'd be surprised that you might really enjoy. Um, and, and like I said, I do think there are ways that you can thoughtfully incorporate, um, still going to CrossFit and like doing this style of training. Um, so yeah, I think it's possible. And I think, you know, like a lot of CrossFitters I work with, like have come to absolutely love this world, but I also think that speaks to the positive nature of most CrossFitters is like, most of them are just so incredibly like open-minded and goal-oriented. And I think yeah. the trick there is that you give them something to work towards and like, they're going to work harder than anyone. I love it. And I'll say, I've seen the th- same thing in many clients coming from the same background. So I love it. I think that's a great summary. Very helpful conversation. Um, Natalie, we just tell everyone where they can find you. Yes, sir. Um, on Instagram, mostly at Natalie eats well. Perfect. Um, as always, thank you all for tuning in. If you have any questions around this, please feel free to DM me, Natalie. Um, we're happy to chat about this. We'd love to just nerd out and talk about stuff like this. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy this conversation, you want more conversations like this. I feel like this was a little bit more conversational than a lot of the episodes we do. Again, like we want your feedback. We want to know how we can best serve you. If you hated this, let us know as well. Um, but if you hated really it, let your mind. Oh, not me. I'm just yeah. Kidding. You can direct those to me instead of Natalie. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all we have for you guys for this time. We will catch y'all next time.